This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas. And I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, you're never too late. Make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making this program possible. Tonight's special guest is Alex Putney, author of the books Light Water, Phi, and Veil of Invisibility. I will discuss weather manipulation, acoustic levitation, alchemy, the sun, and much more. Alex Putney will be with us shortly. To listen to the full interview, all you have to do is go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. In just seconds, you will receive your login, which will give you access to all of our material. Start the year on the right track. Subscribe today. And Season 3 is now available in our futuristic 8GB metal case USB drive. Seasons 1 and 2 are also available. And don't forget, get your MMS right from us. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And it's very inexpensive for what it can do. And if you need to get in touch with me, just go to VeritasRadio.com and click on the contact button. There is no doubt that our weather patterns are changing. But is this natural or is it being manipulated by man? And if so, why? How do we access the Akashic Records? 
Could atmospheric changes on planet Earth be responsible for more solar radiation, which has caused cellular decay, which has limited our lifespan? Were the pyramids built using acoustic levitation? For answers to these and many more questions, Alex Putney is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. This is Paul LaViolette, and you're listening to Veritas Radio. Alex Putney is the author of Light Water, Phi, and the Veil of Invisibility. Alex grew up in St. Croix, U.S. Virgin Islands, finding the ways of the sea and nature's living web at a formative time in his life. The harmony of wave motion and the rhythms of nature have informed his work from the earliest stages. Through his education at the University of Toronto Schools and the School for the Arts at Boston University, Putney's inspired geometric rendering of quantum quadratic formulae accurately predicted the standing wave structure of the electron two years prior to its definitive imaging by a Swedish research team in 2008. The latest findings of physicists continue to support Alex's conclusions correlation of modern radar data, anomalous events, and ancient Sanskrit teachings continues to validate the theory of magnetic resonance as an underlying mechanism of the oncoming hyperdimensional shift. The great circle of humanity unites on the eightfold path as a mandala of energy unfolds to its brilliance at magnetic reversal in December 22, 2012. To learn more about Alex Putney and his work, visit his website at humanresonance.org where you can also obtain his ebooks and a plethora of information. And directly from La Mana, Ecuador, I would like to introduce, for the first time on Veritas, Alex Putney. Hello, Alex, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? I'm doing great, Mel. Thanks for having me. It's been a wonderful uh, ride down here in Ecuador, and it continues to go amazingly well all kinds of developments and i'm glad to be able to share them with you guys today as i said the other day you are a lucky man to live there in uh in paradise if you will but you know what <laughs> i just have to tell you uh, a few months ago i interviewed a, a friend of ours uh, dr cal russin who moved uh, to ecuador a few years ago and she was telling me the story of how at the beginning a lot of americans were moving down there because they were told that the world was going to end and that was going to be a safe haven and she started noticing that more and more people were moving in and developers were cutting mountaintops. They were flattening mountaintops and bringing a lot of, of, you know, a lot of technology to the area. 
and the indigenous people couldn't bathe anymore and use the water from the rivers because a lot of people were uh, washing their cars in the rivers. But basically, the avatar atmosphere has dissipated and the new world is taking over. Are you seeing that in the area where you are residing? Actually, no. I think the influence of a lot of the Western migration into Ecuador has been funneled into areas um, that certain magazines promote, like Vilcabamba, Ecuador in the south, as well as Cotacachi, uh, north of Quito. And I think, um, you know, the coastal areas as well, Montañita, these areas are pumped up so heavily by, you know, internet advertising and all kinds of, uh, you know, magazines. And I think that a lot of damage is being done in those areas, especially to the reputation of of Westerners, you know, because tourists, you know, these areas are being frequented, obviously, in the Caribbean, you know, you and I both grew up there, tourism is heavy in those parts. So, you know, the relationship between locals and tourists is always uh, an interesting one. And certainly now with a lot of the pressures, uh, the Ecuadorian government right now with all the um, immigration here from the United States has, you know, raised the um, requirements and the standards for people coming to, from the U.S. And so, soon they're going to be asking for, you know, historical information on your criminal record, etc. So there certainly is a lot of uh, a lot of immigration, a lot of laws changing to, to accommodate it. So they're limiting the influx to to preserve the environment because I think wasn't it Ecuador where the president and 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 the parliament there enacted a law that would uh, give rights to nature, to the forest. Yeah. Definitely. They are pursuing, uh, Correa, the president, is pursuing a lot of changes um, and, of course, dealing with the um, Amazonian issues going on with the oil production there and American corporations and British corporations. Um, Certainly Bolivia and Morales have been dealing with Shell and doing uh, basically... um, you know, what, what is essentially uh, counterintelligence activities. And they have to have, you know, the Bol- Bolivian government and the Ecuadorian government have to defend themselves against these uh, big corporate interests from the U.S. And they continually do so and are under fire for it. And of course, we have Chavez in Venezuela, who's banding the Latin American countries together throughout both South America and Central America um, into a new group that now has a, you know, a strong stand that they're making against the Canadian and American hegemony in the Americas. So it's an interesting time. It seems a bit of what uh, Muammar Gaddafi was trying to do with Africa. It's happening now in South America. I think it is too, but the, you have to admit that the connections between Gaddafi and everything in Libya going on was just like the, more of the setups we've seen in other countries in the Middle East, including Saddam Hussein himself. And of course, in Latin America, we do not you know, the history of Pinochet and these American of interests in the past has a long history. And this group that's forming now is very against that influence. And so I think it's wrong to draw a similarity there. Well, when I, when I say that is Gaddafi wanted to unite Africa in a good way, just as, as some of these leaders now in South America are taking a stand. As you said, Chavez, Argentina, Chile, Bolivia, Ecuador, they're trying to band together because they, they are tired of the influence. I mean, as, as you said, Pinochet, mm-hmm. what happened to Allende? I mean, we've had people on this show who confirmed that he was, they tried to subvert him. He would not be subverted and they destroyed him. And we know the rest is history. Definitely. And I think uh, it's a wonderful time unfolding right now because the resources are being kept in the ground. Certainly not to the extent that we need to do so in the future, but certainly the trend is moving towards in here in Ecuador to leave the resources and have countries invest in Ecuador specifically to do that, to maintain the resources in the ground and you know, develop the country. 
Did you ever follow the news? I think it was 2006 where the Bush family purchased a very, very large lot in Paraguay uh, the, between the, the, uh, the uh, border of, uh, of Brazil and Argentina, one of the largest aquifers, uh, the aquifer of, of Guarana uh, there. Did you ever follow that? Certainly did, and very interested to uh, see what's unfolding there. And, you know, the information I have um, really does suggest the value of water is very important in these times. But, of course, there's further information that I present that shows that all electrical and electronic equipment will be suffering in the future. So I think the corporate-minded individuals who order others to do their bidding will simply not have the technological ability to do so with coming changes that we're facing now. So my angle on, you know, any any corporate move or any uh, politicians or political moves uh, is quite different than anyone else you might speak with. Right. And Alice, I have to say from the start that I'm new to your work. And so far, your work is just amazing. It's impressive. You discuss so many areas, so many topics. How can you discern? How do you digest and process all this information that you're you're taking on every day? Well, that's an interesting question. It's become something of like second nature to me because really what I'm dealing with is seeing a psychopathic worldview repeated across the media and ignoring the truths that are being discovered now, you know, every day, literally in our world. Um, so when I look at news, and I'm sure when many people across the world look at news, they realize they're being shown a tabloid version of the real events that are happening. Right. And I think people, you know, what I've tried to do with my website is, is filter through all that because we're in an information war. And to give people something that they've never seen before, which is a website with zero advertising, with all free information and free ebooks for download, with profound information coming from other star systems that has been proven today. So, you know, my goal has been that, and it's been amazing over the years to see how everything has been folding and that all the mathematics that I've applied to the pyramids is also um, giving us um, an underlying uh, foundation to understand the metaphysical changes that are happening when in moments when solar flares, for example, blast us with so many electrons and clouds of electrons that the ground itself is conducting electrical currents that in certain places are completely changing the reality of people living there. So as I track those things, I've been fortunate enough to be able to gather them into a, a theory of everything, uh, scientists call it. And I enjoy being able to present the mathematics that you know, underlies these, these deeper connections, these quantum connections, or these spooky connections, Einstein put it, and bring them into the realm of the known. I forgot to ask you, I'm always curious about our guests to know a little bit more about the background. I, I read some of your bio, but I'm always interested to know how you came to be the Alex Putney you are today. What, what changed in your life as you were growing up? Well, it was an amazing journey that's been unfolding for about 12, 15 years now, where I've um, really started to recognize and appreciate the fact that my experiences were different uh, than other people. Um, not only my interpretations of the reality I was seeing before me, but also just literally what I was hearing and what I was seeing. And um, that process is kept unfolding to the point where today I have a, you know, a complete website dedicated to presenting this perspective that I have on the world to other people. And I'm realizing that there are others out there who do share the experience of the world that I do and who do hear this humming sound, who do uh, experience some of the phenomenon of consciousness that's called synesthesia, 
where you have what's almost like an assisted learning process where you have ideas come to you and certain um, luminous images form in front of your vision. Yes, um, yes. Of affirming certain, you know, realizations that you've had. So those those things have really changed my life. And, and um, you know, I, I call up orbs and photographs just by asking mental questions and they appear. So it's phenomenon like this for me has become a regular thing and, and others are um, enjoying, you know, that same that same connection that I have and we're, we're linking up, we're starting around the world to be able to identify these things as, as being part of the shift. You know, our slogan here is be skeptical, but don't close your mind. I used to be the one who used to say, Oh, those orbs are nothing but lens debris. But in the past few years, I've noticed that they follow me. If I have a laser pointer, if I go to, uh, for example, the East Sadie ranch and I follow my laser, they follow me up and down. So obviously it's a, it's a living, energetic being. What are they? Well, I think they are part of a an energy uh, aspect of our reality that trans you know transmits across all levels of reality and has a kind of um, well the, the Sanskrit uh, term for it would be the akashic field, but it's oh, a kind is that of right. Okay, yeah, a memory field around our planet that manifests as electromagnetic energy. So my work with the unified field theory is identifying the structure and the, uh, the variation of intensity of the acoustic waves. And I believe that that is what, you know, when we look for memory, scientists are looking in the brain for where memories are stored. Right. Well, the ancient Sanskrit culture tells us specifically that there is a mnemonic field around the planet called the Akashic field and that this field records everything uh, that passes on this planet. It's a, a blotter, so to speak. And so this is, um, you know, what I'm mapping in my work with these sacred maps and the sacred geometry and the application of the mandala from the ancient Sanskrit culture. Um, those maps are my uh, contribution to consciousness and trying to understand these changes that are happening because, of course, these influences on us are trackable to measurable acoustic waves. And these are why the pyramids and sacred structures were built around the world. And this is, in fact, why I'm doing the work that, where I'm doing it here in Lamana, Ecuador. Because at this location, I found that sacred waters are arising from underground in the same process that is producing these amazing energies at the pyramids that are now measurable. So I think that this has to do with the fact that right here in Lamana, we're exactly 30.0% of the Earth's circumference, uh, mean circumference from the Great Pyramid in Egypt. And of course, when I was working in Berkeley, California for many years, that was also um, a place at that same distance at 30.0%. So these numbers keep popping up for me. And, uh, you know, it's amazing, too. I was born on the island of St. Croix, which means the sacred cross. Right. And, of course, my work has focused on that. And when I was in California for several uh, years, I was living in Santa Cruz area, which is the sacred cross <laughs> there. Well, same name, so, Santa Cruz. Uh, yes, both names. A lot of the breakthroughs that I've had with the mandala um, really you know, tie together all these synchronicities that for some people would be easily overlooked, but when they keep popping up in your face and crop circles keep presenting these same geometries. And I look towards uh, people like Pl Peter Plichta, who present, um, his work presents the prime cross mandala, which I can, you know, and through my, I, I uh, include in my works and appreciate it through the lens that I have um, in terms of acoustic mapping of the planet. And of course, he's using those maps in the more on the atomic scale and that he's a chemist. Now, what a synchronicity. You were born in the island of St. Croix, uh, which is Holy Cross, and you moved to Santa Cruz, which is Holy Cross in Spanish. And both of these places turn out to be 
places where the acoustic energy, the cross, the mandala cross, presents a focal point of acoustic waves. So the name is appropriate in all those cases as well. So it's fascinating for what, sure. What motivated you to move to La Mana, Ecuador? Well, the waters here really were shown um, in studies by various people, um, in, especially in Europe. Uh, there were several groups that were doing various tests, I think, in from 2000 to 2006. Um, there was a period of intense testing that went on where um, they were bottling the water here at a plant in Lamana. And I actually was uh, drawn here to use it for healing for myself. In 2005, I contracted Lyme disease. And that experience really um, happened and was a synchronicity in itself because it happened right after I made my discovery of how colloidal gold and silver waters could be used as a mechanism to bring electricity into the body. And then, of course, electricity kills uh, pathogens in right. the system, including, um, you know, what I had from the bacterial infection from the Lyme disease, as well as tests that have been done by people like Dr. Bob Beck and many others who you can read about on the internet, who are using nanoparticles of gold and silver um, with energy systems, either lasers or what I recommend is bioelectrification, walking barefoot on a beach. Um, all these techniques are, are well known today. And in 2005, for me, it was that testing period where the universe told me, okay, now you need to go cure yourself. And, uh, and I did that. And so now I've dedicated my life to being able to help others you know, make these same realizations. Is that a location that you plan to stay permanently? I'd like to, you know, but of course, we're in the time of the shift. We're in the time of being fluid and right. of listening to your intuition. And so, you know, my deeper feeling is that I belong working in underground chambers that are available around the world to be doing healing work. And I think that I've been drawn here for that reason, because there are underground chambers here for that purpose. And of course, there are artifacts found here, which are, um, uh, you know, form the foundation for my work, which are Sanskrit artifacts um, that depict things like Kundalini cobras and lingam and acoustic uh, entrainment techniques and acoustic psychoacoustic helmets um, are just depicted in the artifacts from this uh, from an underground tunnel located here by gold prospectors in the 80s so all of these things combine to um, with the water to form the basis for my decision to want to be here and i think the universe is supporting me in that i'll just follow my intuition and see how things go now these underground chambers are they naturally made or were they made by the ancients well, I would say both exist here, and um, I'm really following my intuition. Uh, many people who, um, you know, many rigorous archaeologists and scientists would say there's no way there's a city underneath where you are right now. Certainly there's no way there are beings living under there. But the fact is I know that the same physics that people uh, around the world have been using to build pyramids throughout the millennia, that same physics allows for the production of those same types of temples in underground chambers, which of course have amazing acoustic properties. So my understanding is that um, Native American knowledge, for example, tells us things like there are gigantic underground cities, for example, the tales of El Dorado, where really the Spaniards hearing from Native Central American legend and South American legend um, that there were underground cities uh, covered in gold. And literally, this is my understanding now because of the technology of these ancient societies. They literally abandoned the surface because of surface warfare that was going on. And, um, you know, underground cities are a reality that Native Americans and others know about. And I myself understand that reality from a scientific, a physics perspective, which allows me to know that this is true and possible and exactly possible only in the specific locations where these Native American traditions tell us are, you know, the entrances to these underground places. So it's a fascinating, for me, a fascinating um, 
system to verify what ancient legend is telling us because I have the mathematics and physics to to check that and say, is this energy uh, vortex in this area where they're saying it is? And does it mean that an underground civilization could be producing free energy underground through this system? And the answer by and large is yes, the Native Americans are telling us the truth. And a lot of what we think may be legend Maybe true history, and we, we have to demythologize history. But before we move on with the underground chambers, which I still want to discuss, uh, the same thing with the acoustics, let me go back to the Akashic Records for a moment. How do we access the Akashic Record? Well, a lot of research um, has come to the fore recently that I've been able to synthesize in my books. And the process really, um, I use Sanskrit knowledge to convey the scientific process, which we now understand from lab studies. But um, the Ayurvedic language, they basically speak of a heart-mind connection and that that tuning into the heart-mind connection allows one to access the deeper uh, realms of knowledge and the energy around us. And I think, you know, that's what meditation ultimately is. And it's a powerful, powerful tool for inward seeking. Um, so, you know, that's a, a way of talking about it that many people have heard and People don't understand the scientific meaning of what's being said when a heart-mind connection is being um, spoken of in the ancient context. And of course, the Mayans and certainly Native Americans speak of this as well. They speak about a, for example, the Hopi speak of the sacred lifestyle where people, the leader of a tribe, for example, if he stops living in a sacred way and living at the sacred sites, that he will lose the power to lead the people correctly and that he will walk the land with his head cut off. And this is, of course, not speaking about some kind of zombie reality, but they're speaking of the fact that the synchronization between the heart and the mind will be lost and that the traditions that are adhered to in these societies are prescribed specifically to engender that deep connection with the earth uh, that Native American cultures are so well known for. So um, it goes very deep. As you know, in Arizona, we have many sacred sites here and many of the the natives moved here or immigrated here, even when the summers we have 120 plus degree weather, and this is now with air conditioning. Back then, why did they choose this area that is so difficult to survive in the summer if it wasn't because it's sacred? Well, I think there's certainly resources that we don't recognize, and that's exactly what we're talking about when we speak of underground caverns and cave systems. And of course, there are tons of tales all over California. I'm sure Mexico is the same where the whole mountains are named for events where Native Americans were being chased by Spaniards and they disappeared. Yes. And the Spaniards were like, oh my God, where'd they go? And then they would show up, you know, in some totally unexpected place and it would have evaded the Spaniards. This is ancient knowledge of underground tunnel systems. They're very easily hidden. And these happened hundreds and hundreds of times in all different parts of North America when, you know, the invaders were coming. So there are ancient traditions that were completely lost because what did the invaders do? They took all the people who knew those entrances and who had all that knowledge about those sacred sites and the resources to live underground and to find water. And they took all those people and put them on a reservation somewhere else to enslave them. Uh, so that knowledge was, you know, totally wiped off the face of the earth at that point. And we have to use only the Akashic field to get that back. And that's, you know, what I'm doing because their words echo very clearly. And the point is to understand what they mean, not to misinterpret them with our own small, limited worldview, as has been done for so long. What is the reason for this history being hidden from us or, or forbidden from us? 
Well, certainly that question goes right into the extraterrestrial domain. And we have to, you know, as well as the underground cities, we have to acknowledge that there are um, beings walking among us, among us from other dimensions of reality, and they go unnoticed amongst us because we can't see auras. You know, the fact is we would easily be able to pick out an extraterrestrial because of their vibrational envelope very quickly if you could see auras. And in fact, the, the majority of people on our planet cannot, and that's why it is so easier for higher intelligence to, to move among us. But certainly the lifespan issue, you know, if you imagine human beings on the planet's surface and live now for under 100 years, if you imagine that extraterrestrial technologies and ancient Earth-based uh, technologies as well in the pyramids offer lifespans of upwards of 900 to 1,000 years in some cases, um, that this allows a whole level of manipulation of other worlds uh, from cosmic travelers that we are you know subject to here on our planet because of the low level of technology that we have so i would say certainly the installation of religions which themselves control sacred sites on all parts of the planet uh, you know the catholic church would knock over an ancient sacred site if you go to um mexico know, Sure, sure. Any sacred site pretty yeah. much in the world, you'll, you'll see how it has been over the years subjugated by religion. And this, literally the stones may have been taken from those ancient temples and the new structures built, you know, on similar sites in the new format to, um, you know, mind control, essentially the populations that were um, connecting deeply with the earth at those sites. It's almost as if the powers that want to be don't want any, any recollection. They don't want any history or knowledge prior to, say, religion. I lived in Mexico City for a number of years, and I remember seeing excavations in the 90s of things that they never saw before. And what do you see on top? A cathedral or a church. And they don't tell you that before the church was there, it was a, an ancient city underneath it. So it's obvious that they're trying to hide the past. And the question is, why? Is it because if we find about our past, we'll have control of our future? I think so. And I think that certainly the brilliance of the ancient human um, technological awareness and high consciousness is, is present and visible all around us once we appreciate what these you know, constructions of the pyramids all around the world are. And essentially, they are a global free energy network, a la Nikola Tesla. Right. So when you realize that, um, you... Um, you realize that all the tools, for example, on my website, I put together all the tools that one needs to literally start using the pyramids that are around us. They are a wireless system that is a solid state machine that does not need to be fixed. There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, it functions today. And the question is, are we going to be able to use it? Are the masses of humanity going to be able to um, break through the psychopathic stronghold of the political system and the, the corporate system to be able to take control of our sacred sites? You know, and a great example of that battle happened on 11-11-11, and the battleground was the Great Pyramid in Giza, Egypt, where... Um, you know, political authorities basically shut down a meditation of people who wanted to create a giant circle around the pyramid for meditation, which for me would have been a profound event for humankind. And that was prevented by, you know, um, psychopathic interests in my mind. So when I look at that situation, I wonder what's going to happen in 12-12-12 and how can we really um, use science to be able to show that, you know, this is, you know, ritual and um 
and mysticism have nothing to do with why we need to encircle the pyramids and meditate. You know, we need to do this for scientific reasons. We need to beat drums in these chambers. Um, and, and that will really regulate all of the earthquake activity that we're having right now, which is out, you know, off the charts and increasing because of the solar activity going on. And Native Americans have told us all about this. And the fact is when the pyramid system is fully functional, it creates a heartbeat booming at these sites worldwide, which literally alleviates every beat, the energy that's building up from tectonic stress in the ground. So the pyramid system itself, one of the functions of that ancient system is to regulate this tectonic shifting that's necessarily going to be happening during our times. And we need to use it for that or else we're going to go under, I think. Like a tuning fork, you mean? No, I literally mean that the booming, the heartbeat booming at these uh, sites, like, for example, on my website, you can find on the uh, sound page, you can hear the sounds recorded throughout the Seattle area in Puget Sound. Yes. Um, this booming, this loud booming and humming that will be heard will literally be affecting the plates and having allowing the plates to shift every second, every beat of that boom. Like an, if you imagine like a Native American drumming, boom, boom, yes, boom. That sound itself will release that energy which builds in the plates and create a kind of acoustic lubrication to the shifting of the plates that we see. This influence may be directly connected to the dark star that we are now realizing and CNN has in fact in mainstream news announced to the world that there is a binary twin to our sun now approaching <laughs> us. I love it. I love where we're going with all of this. I was wondering, because you touched so many topics, I was wondering where we we're going to go. and. I always say this. I, I was fortunate to have done the last interview with uh, Zachariah Sitchin. And I remember that we discussed that in 1983, a newspaper said that NASA it was admitting that they found an object probably bigger than Jupiter. And then the only thing left was to name it. And I asked uh, Zachariah, why isn't this information more public? And he said, the question should be, what would the consequences be if the information became public. So why now? Why are they admitting that something is out there? I think it's damage control because as soon as you ignore something that big, you prove to people that it's true and that you're lying to them. Yes. So this is why, you know, certainly uh, the media blackout on my work has not been able to be maintained because my discoveries are, are, you know, the scale of them is so vast that if you simply don't acknowledge that they've been made, then you admit that I'm right. And that's that's the line that you that you have to cross when you're trying to lie to the world about these things. And the fact is, in a world of, of uh, the information age that we're in right now, is destroying those lies rapidly. And I'm glad to be a big part of that. As I always say, when I find a guest like you, I start reading your website and I say, why haven't I been exposed to your information? Because it's not that mainstream, obviously, for obvious reasons. Yeah, and I think certainly the um, the fear that that the powers that are operating through media um, are trying to install in people is really um, alleviated by knowledge and ancient knowledge in particular, because this event, all the events now that people are seeing as abnormal, have all been specifically discussed in the ancient text and misunderstood until our times. And I'm really happy to be one of the people bringing that to the fore as well as others, you know, who have, for example, Billy Meyer, who have uh, presented extraterrestrial information that has rocked the world and created all this controversy. It's really gotten people to think. Um, and, you know, many people respond to me in the same way that I'm coming from some other planet and then my information is, um, you know, equally extraterrestrial and can't be understood. And the fact is, mathematics is, an, is another planet for some people. 
But for those of us who understand mathematics and how this universe works and the physics of everything as it moves and and the energy that flows through it, you can't deny that the ancient knowledge and the ancient pyramids uh, provide, you know, a glowing, radiating key that it's like a portal that you need to like walk up to the door and like listen with your heart and you need to walk through. And I think that's ultimately what is is the extraterrestrial fear that human beings will find a key to higher dimensional awareness through the pyramids and will unlock those those areas of ourselves that contain those those dark hidden places that we don't understand. And then that's directly what's spoken of when we we look at the ancient knowledge and we, you know, we, for example, the Mayan mythology I've been presenting on my um, Web page for many years really brings together the fact that the pyramids will be illuminating the shadows within the human heart. And when they say that, um, they mean it literally. And I've been able to show that the nanoparticles of gold and silver that are in the waters at these sites literally are illuminating within your body, your heart. And they're speaking so literally in something that for years has been taken uh, abstractly. And the science and physics of today, studying the Mayan waters, studying the waters here in Lamana, Ecuador, show us that these are literal scientific statements being made. And of course, Western society wants us to believe that the ancient ones were nothing but savage, soulless people. And that's, once again, a, a big misconception. And the the awakening, a lot of people are feeling from one day to the other that they're changing. Their mind is changing. They're seeing things that they didn't see before, almost as if the veil is being removed. What is causing this? What energy is coming here that's causing this to many of our listeners, to me and to you? Mm -hmm. Well, we can measure it. This energy is now known. This is the effect of low-frequency infrasound resonance or a um, an effect of the vibration, the low vibration far below the audible level of most people. So I think this force is really um, causing the thoughts that we have to manifest more clearly. Um, and when I say that, I'm referencing ideas like Masaru Emoto's uh, studies where he showed that the water would crystallize in different ways and your thoughts have the power to influence that. For example, if you put a picture of George Bush on the on the <laughs> bottle of water, people's thoughts about George will influence that water and yes. make it less crystalline. So this effect has also been studied as if you walk into a crop circle. If you are very toxic or toxified taking um, you know, a regular prescription um, you're going to be the energy in that circle is causing that to it's causing your cells to pulse open and closed and causing a, a permeability of your cell membranes to lower and those chemicals are going more deeply in your system and that is a kind of um, basically you're entering an energy portal in those circles that is polarizing the experience of people based on their lifestyle their purity because if you have pure waters in your system you'll experience euphoric moments in these pyramids and crop circles in these new paradigm places and the opposite will occur for those people who walk into these places with negative emotions and the water in their body will be um, deteriorating because of their own feeling and their own relationship with others so it's a it's an amazing effect that has to do with the DNA expression of people emotionally in every moment. And it's wonderful to watch and see the polarization happening right now. Have you had any encounters with uh, academia with your conclusions? Uh, it's interesting. Um, fairly little. And it turns out that most of the encounters I've had have been with Internet 
people with their own websites, um, for example, crop circle people or, you know, people within different fields who um, catch, catch wind of my work and have something to say about it. Um, because I've really stopped soliciting people to come to my website because, you know, it's uh, I've had such little response from people in academia that I'm sure that anyone who comes to my website realizes that if they, you know, there's such crazy concepts in here that even if they believe in some of what I'm saying, they will not uh, be associated with the rest of what I'm saying. And of course, this accounts for why uh, people like Klaus Dona of the Unsolved Mysteries exhibition prefer not to mention my name and not to work with me in regards to those artifacts from Lamana in Ecuador. And, you know, to his uh, detriment, I know lots of people around the world are interested to see these things and they're not able to because he's had only a few ex exhibitions and he doesn't give people any of the facts that I've been able to derive based on the mathematics in these artifacts. And that's what really drives people to find my work. And I appreciate that. So it is an interesting time to see that polarization happening in media. And as I try to communicate with people about these discoveries I've made, really, I find that it's a total black hole. There is no one out there. And I have to tell you, what I'm working on right now involves alchemy. You know, we've, we've talked about this um, in previous interviews I have with other people, and it's out there that I've been doing this. And the fact is, we're making progress. We're having success. And so I'm looking right now to establish partnerships with people who want to bring this information out. Because, of course, the more success I have, the more public I have to be. Um, and so, you know, people like yourself, uh, I would love to work with to be able to present the future discoveries that I make to a wider audience for my own safety, because people need this information. And that's the reason why I give my books out for free. You know, my book Lightwater gives literally the secrets of longevity and the secrets of transmutation of metals in them. Uh, that book is not in print and no one will carry it. It is free on my website as an e-file. And I hope people download it because these facts are not changing. These facts are not going away. These facts are being proven every day. You will live longer if you drink light water and you don't even know what that is because no one's ever going to tell you. It's in my book. And extraterrestrials come from planets very far away to tell us the same thing. And I'm sharing that and repeating that to people because these facts are now verifiable. And we need to be moving in this direction, especially with the transmutation of metals, because we all know right now with the sinkholes and the tectonic activity going on right now and the fracking and the earthquakes that mining is going to kill us all. Yes. We need to stop mining and we need to start cleaning up the toxic aluminum and toxic iron and you know toxic uh, lead in the world, in the soils, in the air. And we need to start converting that into silver and gold and start augmenting our health with that instead of dying by the toxicity. I recently received an email from one of our listeners who was able to transmute silver with yeast into gold. And he sent me the pictures. I haven't, I haven't analyzed it, of course, but have you heard of this? And I believe the, the person who, who, was, who gave the instruction has the last name of Champion, I believe. Have you heard of this? Yes, I have, actually. <clears throat> I had reproduced this experiment of Dr. Champion. Um, Dr. Joe Champion is yes. his name. He's been in Utah. And uh, he's now selling a kit for people to be able to produce this same process. And I actually reproduced this experiment three and a half years ago up in Spokane, Washington with a good friend. And since then, I've been on the trail. And we literally are having success and verifiable bulk success is inevitable because our results are climbing every day. We have a beat on what we're doing. We're engineering better and better systems to do it. 
And, you know, the fact is we can very easily prove and send off samples. And I have done that in many places. And I'm going to be making some big announcements on the website pretty soon. But the fact is partners are shying away from this left and right because they're scared. and For their lives. Or um, they're not genuine. They are they're pretending to be partners to waste my time and energy uh, because they're working for someone else. That happens so to is, that happens to many people who are working on on free energy or alternative sources of energy. Yes, yeah. So it's amazing right now. Uh, it's it's really easy when you have this kind of technology to separate the wheat from the chaff because yeah. it works. So you can't waste my time by trying to convince me that we need to run tons, you know, two years more testing on it or whatever because. We don't. <laughs> that, that specific example, and I was amazed when I saw the images that this listener sent me with the little chunks of gold. Exactly how is it done, if you can summarize it rather quickly, and can you prove that it's gold? And what would that do to the price of gold if this became so public that everybody were to do it at their home? Well, I think that the price of gold has always been manipulated. So yes. all those people who tell me that the price of gold will shift to reflect the fact that people are making gold are completely wrong. That's a complete uh, urban legend. And that, of course, the price of gold has always been manipulated to make money because they can manipulate it. Of course, you change the prices of everything on people and then buy and sell when you choose. And insider trading is the only reason why the market is made. So anyone who's in that illusion is not going to understand the reality of what's going to be happening when this process becomes worldwide. So, uh, yes, these are tested. This is real gold. I was able to do that on my first test three and a half years ago. That's, you know, long gone. Uh, what we're working on right now is basically how to convert this into a bulk process and as well to work on processes like, for example, aluminum to silver or copper to gold. Um, so these are definitely possible. We know the physics of this, and I describe this in my book, Lightwater, for anyone who's interested in the third chapter in regards to Billy Meyer's information given uh, by Semyase in 1976 regarding the details of their mm -hmm. technological process. And I can confirm, and I do in my book, that Dr. Champion's process is identical and that the results achieved by this are real. And I can pre present photographic evidence um, that in itself cannot be faked, but the sample is obviously uh, where it's at. If you, we have several XRF tests um, that will be done in the next few weeks, and we're going to be able to present that publicly. And these tests have been done before and been proven to be accurate. So we're excited, definitely. I apologize if I offend you with this question, but because of all the the things you discussed that that may may be life changing, world changing, have you ever been threatened? Uh, no, I haven't. And I think that that is the case. Be well, certainly I've been threatened with lawsuits from people who don't want me to put up photographs on my website and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And certainly um, the representatives of Billy Meyer in the U.S. would not like me to be reproducing his photographs for free for people on the on my ebooks. Michael Horn, um, of course. Michael Horn. Come on, Michael. <laughs> you know, I sent him an email and said, hey, we've uh, replicated this process. Here's my book. It's for free. Do you want a copy? You know, we were actually converting silver into gold using the information that Billy has presented. This is obviously the most important and tangible proof beyond the studies of the samples he gave of those metals. If we can replicate those results, which in 1976 were never seen before, and we can prove in labs today that we're doing the exact same thing, then that's very, very important. 
I would say much, much, much more important than silly copyright laws for silly photographs, which people have been forging Billy's photographs for years. The CIA makes a living doing that. It's, if I produce an image that's been you know, magnified and cleaned up in Photoshop and colorized and put on because the color is so bad in all the Billy Meyer images, you attack me? Come on, we're that's making right. gold here. Let's move ahead and stop the mining and focus on what's really important, not silly copyright laws. It's not only mining, but the whole sense of uh, scarcity is what keeps everything up. I mean, exactly. if the economy is down, how, why, how is it that the, the price of oil continues to go up? Oh, well, because we have to concoct a little bit of regional conflicts in the Middle East to keep the prices up. Same thing goes with commodities, fruits, vegetables. Uh, right now, there are, there are people on Wall Street who are betting on weather. And we know that there's weather manipulation taking place in this planet, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. All of these profit-making mechanisms make it really clear. All you got to do is follow the money, which is why anyone who's really intelligent who looks at my website can see that obviously I'm not paid off. Right. That's right. <laughs> I'm working for the average Joe, you know, and there's no ads on my site. A lot of people, you know, have to have ads up to do their work, and I'm lucky enough not to have to right. because I'm right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, you said a few things regarding underground and the fact that, for example, in Arizona, perhaps in Sedona, perhaps in other places, there are underground places where they could survive because it, the weather is just unbearable for anybody to survive it on the surface in the summer. Now, going back to, to what may seem to, as fiction to many, inner earth, do you think this is fiction or do you think this is a reality? Well, based on the physics that Nikola Tesla brought to our world, we can know it's a reality because free energy is obviously the limit. If you cannot produce, if you don't have sunlight and you can't grow food down there, how are you going to survive? That has been the question. And of course, now we have uh, technologies like, for example, Troy Herdebees has a beam healing device he invented up in North Bay, Ontario, that increases plant growth rates by eight times using water plasma which produces intense levels of UVA and infrared light. Now, this process is well studied and the plasma that creates it is now well studied. And I have several links on my site that go into the details of the physicists, for example, Dr. Randall Mills, who have outlined and, and shown that vast, immense reservoir of energy exists in each hydrogen atom and that the implosion of these hydrogen atoms produce this UV a and infrared light from the HHO plasmas and that this is the source of energy that all life that thrives on all the plants through the universe eventually arrive at and once you go to this power source you do not go elsewhere because it's the universal power source that we were designed to use that all the systems of the planets were designed to use and so that level of consciousness is where humanity is arriving at at this time and I think that we're going to finally be, you know, people ask, when will extraterrestrial communication be happening? And when will we, will we be able to communicate with our brothers from other stars and our sisters? Well, that's very soon. And it has to do with acknowledging these truths about hydrogen, about the basic components and building blocks of our bodies like DNA and understanding how these work and acknowledging who we are and where our memory lies. And I think, you know, that's a, a formative period that we're unlocking now that's really amazing. You open a door and 10 doors open in my mind. Pyramids. Let's, let's talk about pyramids and DNA for a moment. What in your, in your experience, what have you found that was the real purpose of the pyramids worldwide? 
Well, there are so many purposes. It's impossible to nail down one, but certainly the telepathy aspect of the pyramids was uh, one of the central aspects of geoengineering and climate engineering uh, had so many other features, as I've talked about with the earthquakes and the um, heartbeat booming. But certainly the effect of red light and heartbeat acoustics um, create an environment where it's almost like you're in the womb where you're basically recreating a fetal environment mm-hmm. um, where the, for example, when the fetus is inverted during gestation in the womb, a normal cycle, um, the infant's root chakra is right nestled underneath the heart of the mother. And so that telepathic um, experience that happens between the mother and child is really engendered by the biorhythmic resonance between the two bodies. And the fact is that in the pyramids, when the, if, if for example, as I um, posit in my first book, Phi, the, uh, what's called the king's chamber and the sarcophagus, I believe are in fact, it's a birthing chamber and that it was a water birthing vessel that what's called the sarcophagus. And that in fact, the fact, the, the corner, one corner is deeply chiseled, um, denies its use as such because it allows water to flow out. Um, and so I believe that that object was was destroyed, and that is part of the proof of its original function was to hold water, and eventually, obviously, to hold um, HHO plasma as that water becomes energized in the process I was just mentioning. So I believe that the telepathy and as well the biorhythmic synchronization that was going on in the pyramids was linked with an environmental change where literally the human body in those pyramid chambers was submerged within a field of HHO plasma that was created within those chambers because of the water vapor that was rising through the angled passageways up into those upper chambers. Do the pyramids need a capstone in order to be activated? And if not, what happened to the capstones? Uh, I think they are already activating right now, and the solar flares are um, inevitably going to bring them to full operation, regardless of whether they have a capstone or a facade or not. Um, because the fact is, it's a bulk. The, the bulk of the structures are producing the energy field around it because those stones are piezoelectric, which means that they convert acoustic energy into an electromagnetic field and standing acoustic waves within the stones and. That effect really is what I'm mapping globally from the pyramids. And, um, you know, it, it ties together the effect within the human body at one location with the effects at the other locations. So really it's the, um, it changes the human organism. You know, if you, if you think of human beings as separate individuals, um, that's only because their rhythms biorhythmically, they're separated. But if you synchronize human consciousness and you planet wide, create a booming energy field that is synchronizing consciousness, then we start to see the effects of what a true human, uh, let's say a, an aligned human consciousness is capable of. Because everyone knows we have hidden powers within us that are not being used. And the pyramids themselves are called, like Teotihuacan means site where man becomes God. And so this specifically is telling us that your secret powers, your hidden divinity will be shown to you in the pyramids and you will manifest those things. And that's what we're here to do at this time. And this is why I added the word uh, DNA when, when, when I spoke about the pyramids, because we hear of the junk DNA. Do you think junk DNA was part of our DNA that was deactivated on purpose to keep us under control and perhaps even 
do what's called a planned obsolescence. Instead of living 900 to 1,000 years, now we're living less than 100 years. Yeah, I do think that. And I think that it has to do with the atmospheric changes that took place in the ancient uh, times. Because the pyramids, I believe, were a system that created a, like Tesla described, an auroral canopy of surrounding the planet that acted like a plasma shield that converted all of the incoming light from our sun into the proper frequencies for light. It basically made the, um, for example, the healing plasma that comes out of Troy Herdeby's uh, godlight device. That same plasma is what will be forming surrounding the whole upper atmosphere of the planet, I believe, coming with the 2012 changes. Because the Maya and the Hopi and the Aztec themselves tell us that the pyramids will be turning on, the red red will be spreading from one pyramid to another, and the skies will be entirely red. So my interpretation of this um, follows the lines of what Nikola Tesla presented, which is that this illumination will be um, negating the dark side, the darkness of night on our planet, and that the Hopi themselves say that stars will be seen um, through this red veil around the planet. Um, so I think we're looking at major changes here that will reflect in our DNA um, expression. And of course, when we test these things in the lab, as Herdebees has done, we can see that DNA is changing and we do have cellular regeneration occurring and we can increase growth rates significantly and we can reduce aging and toxicity of the body. So all of these coming together really shows me that Herdebees has basically stumbled onto the fact that we are going to be inside a healing machine. Our planet is a giant healing machine and it's about to be turned on. This, I just love this. Just if I understand correctly, in my conclusion, in my mind, are you saying that because of the atmospheric change, it has caused radiation to penetrate more uh, to the planet? And this has, this has caused perhaps uh, cellular decay, limiting our lifespan? Definitely. And it's like a shields down situation. Right. In, incoming, you know, literally we have the frequencies of light that our sun is giving off are not the best for us. And that's simply an effect of our decisions previously in consciousness. You know, thousands of generations ago, we made big mistakes. And Such we as? Interact, I would say interacting with extraterrestrial intelligence who came and appeared to be giving us high knowledge, but in fact were giving us technologies that we could not handle. So I think, of, for example, the biggest example might be, I imagine a scenario in ancient times where, for example, extraterrestrials come here and say, well... You guys can build an army, but the problem with armies is that everyone's got a conscience. You know, wouldn't you be best if you could just build soldiers and have an army with just people who would do what you say, and no matter how heinous or unconscionable? And ancient people, some of them were sick enough to actually agree that that might be a good thing, and they literally, I believe, conducted experiments where they mixed pig genetics with human genetics. The aggression and, gene. Yep. And that literally they created a vehicle where low resonance souls that are, you know, somewhere in that kingdom of animal souls that are dying to manifest on the human plane, that those souls have a vehicle to step into and reincarnate into. And that, in fact, those are psychopathic beings that were genetically created during those times. And the wars and everything that ensued created such chaos in the planet that those psychopathic soldier beings multiplied and became a uh, genetic threat to normal human beings on our planet. And that, in fact, psychopathy in our world is a result of the acoustic conditions that exist on this planet and that the changes happening in 2012 will mitigate that 
and that a lot of the psychopathy that we see in our world today will simply not be viable once the changes happen and we have another level of humanity stepping up to the plate in the pyramids and operating together on this higher level of consciousness. Because in reality, the way they see us is that we're no different than a machine. And we need to change that because what, what are we? We're living, breathing people constructed from cells, consuming and burning energy, governed by electrical impulses. How is that not different from a machine? Well, I think we are a machine if you don't acknowledge that the rhythm in our bodies is the spirit. And that if you don't understand the rhythm or the spirit and you don't recognize that the rhythm, the pulsation of the body is what is alive, mm -hmm. then then you have a completely materialistic view. And that's exactly the problem with these psychopaths is that they don't have anything beyond materialism because the intangibility, in, excuse me, the intangibility of energy is something that um, has them completely convinced that it doesn't exist. And, you know, for anyone who walks around looking at auras, there's no way you could put a politician up there and behind a podium and have them convince anyone of anything. And that's the reality that's going to be, you know, present for us very soon here if these changes manifest as the Hopi and the uh, Maya are telling us and how I understand through the physics of Tesla and others that, you know, literally this will be and the physics that we see in crop circles today. You know, this will be a change where. Those who do not do cannot do for themselves and who refuse to act in a natural way and instead choose to manipulate others to get what they need will simply have no fuel to do so. You know, the energetic um, capacity for people to be swindled is decreasing. And that's got a lot of people scared. A lot of psychopaths are running scared right now. I sometimes wonder if uh, we, as well, no, I don't want to use the word ascend, but if we evolve more technologically than spiritually. We always make the same mistakes. Have we made those mistakes in the past where we evolved technologically? Now, perhaps we had nuclear weapons thousands of years ago, as it's proven in certain parts of the world where you can see completely dead areas. The Sinai Peninsula comes to mind. Do you think this has happened many times before? Yeah, it has. Thank you very much for listening. We'll continue this interview with our special guest in our members section. If you're not a member... Just go to our website, VeritasRadio.com, and click on the subscribe link to listen to the rest. We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and I'll see you in the member section. Enjoy.
This is the Karai Sitching, and you are listening to a wonderful radio interview conducted by Mel. Mm-hmm. 